Again, thank you guys so much for joining us on this hopefully last Movement Midweek online service. I'm so excited about this Sunday getting to gather together again with you guys. Um, so make sure you're just paying attention to our social media, Facebook, Instagram, um, to keep up to date with, with upcoming information about this Sunday's service. I have something for you tonight. It shouldn't be very long, but I do believe it's a word from the Lord. And so if you just give me the next 15, maybe 20 minutes, um, and really just let God speak to you, I think he wants to tell us something very unique and very special tonight. Um, Hernan Cortez was a Spanish conquistador, one of my favorite words of all time, conquistador, who led an expedition that caused the fall of the Aztec Empire and brought a large portion of what is now mainland Mexico under the rule of the King of Castile in the early 16th century. In 1518, Cortez received his orders to board a ship and travel to the coast of what is modern-day Mexico and embark on a journey into the heartland of the Aztec Empire. However, in 1519, at the very last moment, the Spanish governor of Cuba revoked the charter of an expedition to Mexico after a very fierce argument with its leaders. But the defiant Cortez set sail nonetheless with 11 ships and about 300 men. And by July of 1519, he had worked his way along the Yucatan coast all the way to Veracruz. And upon arrival, Cortez was informed that many of his men were not completely sold on the idea of traveling into Mexico. And in fact, they were just waiting on the right time for them to be able to reboard the ships and head back to Cuba. The fear of his men returning to Cuba rather than embarking on this historical journey through the Aztec empire made Cortez do something both insane and inspiring. Cortez actually demolished his own fleet, completely clearing out the harbor of all but one of his ships. And it's said that upon scuttling his fleet, Cortez explained to his men that retreat was no longer an option because he had totally removed the possibilities of an escape. And with the harbor completely emptied of all escape plans and all excuses, his men bound together and pushed towards the heart of the Aztec empire. And this decision by Cortez, it came with consequences, especially those of a political nature. But to him, the repercussions of his actions were far outweighed by his drive to conquer. He made up in his mind that there would be nothing in this world that would keep him from pressing further into the history books. And if a harbor needed to be completely emptied to guarantee his goals would be met, then he would gladly empty the harbor. No more excuses, no more escape plans. He decided in that moment it was time to empty the harbor and press forward. And don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting that scuttling an entire fleet of ships was necessarily the most responsible thing to do, but the principle behind it is critical for us to apply to our lives today because we all have goals, we all have hopes, we all have dreams, we all have God-given callings, but we also all have a harbor full of ships giving us the ability to back away from those goals, those hopes, those dreams, and those God-given callings. Too often we feel God directing and leading us into deep spiritual waters, but we allow fear or our present circumstances to stop us from following him deeper into our destiny. And instead of pressing forward into the unknown of our kingdom purpose, we retreat to humanity's harbor of comfort and escape. And no, we aren't like Cortez dreaming of gold and silver, having lofty, lofty aspirations of power and control. Our aspirations are that of a heavenly kingdom. But while the dreams may be different, the human response to those dreams is the same. That when we cannot guarantee an ease of success, we retreat looking for a way to escape, running to our harbors full of excuses. 
I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not from the right family. We make excuse after excuse of why we can't accomplish all the things that God has already told us that we can accomplish. We see the thick jungle of apostolic ministry and operation in front of us, and we become fearful of what lies beyond the thicket. And because we can't always see with our eyes what God has for us next, we retreat into what we know, committing ourselves to school, committing ourselves to friends and jobs, committing ourselves to the things that are tangible, the things that are temporal, the things that will never require us to step out by faith, but will also never bring us true satisfaction. We are presented with a world of spiritual opportunity ready and waiting to be conquered, but we allow our fear and insecurities to get the best of us and we find our escape in excuses through a packed out harbor. If we're ever going to become all that God has for us to become, we cannot give him partial effort living with one foot in and one foot out, never fully committing to Jesus and his will because we're constantly having backup plans that are secured in the harbor. And this isn't anything new. Israel struggled with this all throughout the Old Testament in Numbers 33, 50 through 55, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them that when you pass over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land and before you and destroy all the figures of stone and destroy all their metal images and demolish all of their high places. These high places the Bible's talking about that Israel was supposed to destroy were altars built to pagan gods. But unfortunately, leader after leader, king after king failed to destroy these high places as God had commanded them. And in fact, many of these kings of Israel began to promote idol worship and participate in idol worship at these very altars they were meant to destroy. There were plenty of good kings of Israel that accomplished many great things in the sight of God, but never managed to go through and destroy and tear down these high places. The high places were difficult to reach. They took energy. They took effort to navigate. They were rooted in tradition. They may offend people. It may cause war. It may cause bloodshed. And even though that these things were not of God, there was still an attachment to these high places. There was a dependency on these altars built to pagan gods. And so they never were torn down. King after king, leader after leader, never took care of these altars built to pagan gods. And on top of these tall mountains, on top of these high places, there were altars and shrines specifically built to two pagan gods, Baal and Asherah. Baal being the pagan god of crop fertility and rain, the children of Israel would find themselves bringing sacrifices of worship to the altar of Baal in an attempt to gather favor from Baal and to have their crops grow in a more bountiful supply. So in essence, Baal was acting as a God of provision in their lives. And Asherah was the pagan God of love or intimacy and relationship. God's promises were such that if Israel would abide in his law and abide in his commandments, that they would be his people in whom he loves and whom he cherishes, and he would be their ultimate provider. So to put it all together, all throughout Israel, there were altars built and shrines built to pagan gods of provision and intimacy, two things that God had already promised he would provide Israel. And the reason was because it's within our human nature to always need backup plans. 
We know what God is telling us to do. We know that God tells us that if we fully give ourselves to him, he will fully give himself to us. But even Israel, even knowing God himself is saying, I, I'm going to provide all provision. I'm going to be in relationship with you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to cherish you. Israel still needed to have a backup plan. And just in case God was not able to fulfill his word of provision, just in case God was not able to fulfill his promise of love, relationship, and intimacy, they needed to build altars unto worldly gods that could potentially give them that which God could not, just in case. It's this fear of the unknown that gives us pause and gives us trepidation. And we begin to lean more in that which we can see rather than that which we cannot see. We become comfortable and reliant on the things of this world to bring us the purpose and the fulfillment that God has already promised he would bring us. And this is why so many people struggle with the balance of being in the world, but not of the world. Because even though we know that God and his kingdom should come first, we also need to make sure our boats of escape are ready and prepared to be boarded if needed. I want to fully put my trust in God for my finances, but when it comes right down to it, I need to make sure that my job is secure, even if it's at the expense of my spirituality, because if God fails in providing for me, I need to make sure I have a boat that will get me out of the harbor. I desire to fully trust God with my future, but just in case God doesn't know what's best for me, I need to make sure my education is secure. Even if I need to sacrifice some of my own commitment to the things of God to make that happen, I need to make sure my education is secure because I need to make sure I have a backup plan in case God fails me. I know what the Bible says about being in a good godly relationship, and I know what the Bible says about how a godly relationship is supposed to look, and maybe the relationships I'm in don't quite fit that description but if I walk away from this unhealthy relationship, God may forget about me and I may end up being all alone forever. So yes, God, I am willing to give you these negative relationships. I'm willing to end these negative relationships as long as when I do, you have a good relationship waiting for me in the exact timing that I desire. And we have this approach with our walks with God where we want to be powerful men and women of God, experiencing the fullest extent of his plans and his calling for our lives. But we never want to fully commit to him, sacrificing all we have at his feet because just in case it's too hard, just in case it doesn't work out, just in case I'm not good enough, I need to have a backup plan. I need to have a way of escape. I need to have something prepared in case God fails me. And the danger of living your life constantly preparing for the worst is that you will never be able to experience the best because you'll split your commitment and your dedication in two, serving the eternal while also attempting to preserve your temporal and you never really get the satisfaction of either. You'll never be able to fully be spiritual because you're constantly trying to preserve your flesh. So all the things that God has for us to achieve in the spirit, we'll never be able to fully obtain them. But then vice versa, uh, the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end it brings forth death. But if you're trying to live uh, a little bit in and a little bit out, you don't even get the satisfaction of, of being worldly. You're stuck. So you don't get to experience everything God has for you. And you also don't get to have fun for a season because you're constantly being pulled in two directions because while you want to commit to the things of God, you have a fear that he will let you down. So you go to your backup plans, you go to your excuses, you make sure that you have something prepared for that way when God fails you, you have somewhere to go and you become that which was spoken of in Revelations three, I know by your works, you have a reputation of being alive, but you 
are dead. And I've come with a very simple message tonight, that it is time to empty out the harbor. Jesus tells us no man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God requires us to fully commit to Jesus Christ and his purpose. And now is the time to reevaluate your walk with God and determine in your own mind and determine in your own spirit that God deserves everything from me. No more excuses, no more backup plans, no more splitting my commitments between the eternal and the temporal. But today, in this moment, I am emptying out the harbor of my life and there is no turning back. Though this life may lead me through jungles, it may lead me through deep valleys, it may lead me through steep, rocky mountains, nevertheless, I will press forward, knowing that there is no turning back because every excuse and every backup plan has been destroyed. I will no longer be a prisoner of what if I lose my job? What if I fail? What if I am not good enough? What if I lose out on the things the world has to offer? But I will push forward as I destroy and empty out the harbor of excuses and backup plans and press forward, trusting in God, allowing his word to be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, committing myself to the example that Paul sets in Philippians 3, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do know, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. And I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. It is time right now to empty out the harbor and press on to what God is calling you into and never looking Dion Promptom Sanders was an outfielder for the Atlanta Braves and a cornerback for multiple NFL teams, actually uh, an NFL Hall of Famer now. And Sanders grew up on the mean streets of Fort Myers, Florida, where he was exposed to some incredible would-be athletes, and that exposure actually spurred him to make a success of himself. In an interview done with Esquire magazine, they asked him what separated him from all of these other would-be athletes that he grew up with, and he explained something uh, very simple. He said, I called them all Ida's. If I'd have done this, then I'd be making millions today. If I'd have practiced harder, I'd be a superstar. And they were fast as kids, but instead of working on their dreams, they chose drugs and a life on the street corner. And when I was young and I had practice, my friends who didn't have practice went straight to the streets and they never left. But we don't need any more Ida's, he says. And I can second Mr. Sanders' sentiment today. We don't need any more Ida's in the kingdom of God. If I'd have prayed more, God would have moved. If I'd have fasted more, God would have spoken to me. If I'd have turned the TV off or turned the games off and, and dove into God's word, then he would have directed me. If I'd have allowed God to guide me and lead me, I could have made a real impact in my school. If I'd have put less energy and effort into being physically comfortable and more energy and effort into the kingdom of God, I could have seen the miraculous. If I'd have listened to God, if I'd have followed God, my friends and my family and my school, my community, community could have been saved. If I'd have destroyed the excuses, if I'd have destroyed the backup plans floating in the harbor of my spirit, I would have been, as the Bible says, more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Because the church can't afford to have any more Ida followers of Christ, but we need young men and young women who are ready to take on the challenge of being true doers of the word. Hernan Cortez was not a good man. He was a man obsessed with money and power, but while he was merely a man 
with lofty dreams of silver and gold. Nevertheless, he still accomplished exactly what he set out to accomplish because he was fully committing himself to his purpose. And he proved this by emptying out the harbor. If a man in pursuit of that which was only temporal could accomplish all of his goals, how much more could those of us who are in pursuit of the eternal accomplish if we merely empty out our harbor? Empty out the excuses that says, I'm not good enough and I'm not able because God's word says, with Christ, all things are possible. Emptying out the things in your life that, are, that you're committing to more than the kingdom of God in hopes to find security and comfort in the things of this world. Clear that out because the word says, those who have hope in this world are men most miserable. But Jesus also says in Matthew 5 and 6, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be fulfilled. Empty out these worldly priorities that, you're, that are causing your walk with God to be placed on hold, remembering that the word of God says to set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on this earth. There is a call going forth tonight to empty out the harbor of all of the things that will cause you to retreat or to stall and giving you only one option, and that is to press forward into the calling that God has for you and never looking back again. And I encourage you now in this moment to find a place of prayer and begin to pray that God would search your heart. God, search our minds. Lord, reveal to us right now those escape vessels that we have floating around in the harbor of our spirits. God, we want to empty out the harbor, God. We want to remove the excuses. We want to remove the, the reliance we have on the things of the world, God. We want to remove those things in our lives that we have placed as a higher priority over our relationship with you out of fear that you might let us down, God. We want to remove the backup plans, God. We don't need backup plans. We don't need excuses. But God, in this moment, I am ready to commit myself to you fully, destroying every excuse and every backup plan I have in my life completely trusting in you as I allow your word to be the lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Help me, Jesus, to be brave and to brave the spiritual journey ahead that may be unknown to my flesh, but knowing that you have never let me down and you never will, Jesus. I encourage you now to spend the next few moments in prayer reminding yourself and reminding God that you trust him. And let God begin to speak to you and reveal to you those things that you have placed in your harbor that, that are excuses, those things that you have placed as priority in your life that is holding you back, those backup plans you've created, those things that you have, those altars you have built to worldly things because you don't really know if God can provide the things that he says he would provide. I encourage you right now to be alone with Jesus and begin to recommit yourself to him. Allow yourself to, to begin to remind yourself and remind God that you trust him. And when God reveals these, these ships in your harbor, when God begins to show you and reveal to you those things that you have that's, that's halting your walk with God, that's stalling your walk with God, that's pulling you back from your walk with God, when God reveals those things to you, destroy them, completely emptying out your harbor and never look back. And watch what God begins to do in your life when the only option you have is forward with him. I love you guys so much. And I can't wait to see you guys Sunday.